Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 87 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by a motorsports writer for The Athletic. Jeff Block is here as we will talk all things NASCAR playoff and look back at the weekend that was at Las Vegas. A lot of news to cover everything from Kurt Busch to Tyler Reddick to Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson and also, there was still a race that happened, too. We'll uh, dive into all that and look ahead to this next weekend at Homestead. Also going to talk about the F1 race going on in Austin, Texas this weekend as well. We'll dive into that when uh, Jeff joins us in just a few moments from right now. We'll have our news and notes segment, our Ask David segment at the end of the show as well. Uh, David, off this week, me and Dominic uh, holding things down here on the show. And as always... We are presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Kevin Board, this year is the primary sponsor on David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. Dominic Aragon of the RacingExperts.com joins us right now. Dom, uh, what a a time right now. I mean, there is no shortage of things to get to, uh, to cover. Uh, are we going to be able to do it all in an hour tonight? Well, we'll, we'll certainly try. We're going to certainly try. So many things to drop Tuesday, so many things that happened at the race Sunday. And like you said, oh, yeah, there was a 400-mile race that did happen, but just so much to unpack, so much to uncover. I was there. Jeff Gluck was there. It's going to be awesome to break all this down here in a few minutes. Yeah, and, you know, with, with that, with, with David out, we, we don't want to wait to, uh, you know, on, on our guest here. We want to bring Jeff in right away and get right into the nitty-gritty of the discussion of the weekend and everything. Dom, uh, you know Jeff. You, you, you've you seen him uh, and his work for a long time. NASCAR fans are very familiar with Jeff Gluck. Tell us about Jeff Gluck before we officially welcome him to the show. Yeah, we'll give him the grand entrance. So I've personally known Jeff about 10 years now. I've seen him at the racetrack across the country for quite some time as we've covered the sport. But he's held roles at USA Today. He was an entrepreneur, did it with JeffGluck.com for a couple of years. And now he's with The Athletic. We're talking an award-winning motorsports journalist. Tyler, this guy has more followers on Twitter than some drivers and some teams combined. So none other than one of the best motorsports beat riders traveling the circuit who covers the sport full-time. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us here on Let's Go Racing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you came on my podcast for one of the post-race editions um, in the past, so I'm happy to uh, to return the favor here. It's nice to nice to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we've done your show a couple of times. Be next one year, Auto Club the next year, and you guys do a really good job there with the teardown and love the instant reaction you guys do with your guys' show. But give us some of your instant reactions, your, your, some of your feedback, and just like what you thought with the race in Las Vegas, right? The opening race of the round of eight, we, we had – Of everything. On, I mean, every, I know. Where do we even begin, there. Jeff? Where do we begin to unpack this weekend? Well, you know, obviously the, the Bubba thing is um, probably the – the big story that overshadowed everything. And I'm sure we'll get to that, but just, you know, the race in general, I, it was a big relief for me. And, and what I mean by that is like, I thought this was the best regular season ever. And I was really excited for the playoffs and how they were going to unfold. And I just was like, 
certainly the if this has been the best regular season and been wide open, the racing's been so good, like the playoffs are going to be even better. It's just going to be a perfect cap to for all this, and we're really going to see who's the best and who steps up. And really, for the first couple rounds of the playoffs, that wasn't really the case. I mean, every you know you had um, non-playoff drivers winning, of course, but it was also like the stories were about oh. Kevin Harvick's car catches on fire for no reason. Um, power steering issues, you know, tires going down. Then you had, you know, Bowman gets hurt. And with the safety concerns and all the drivers sounding off about this car needs to be fixed and, you know, needs to be safer. And, and it turned into this, you know, back and forth sort of drama with NASCAR and the drivers and they're having meetings and and that was what everybody was talking about. That was what everybody was covering. And then the racing itself wasn't necessarily like good enough to sort of overcome that, you know, like be one thing if that was a storyline during the week, but then, um, you know, you got to the race and you were like, wow, that wasn't even a good race. That wasn't satisfying. Like the Texas race or something like the leaders kept blowing tires or, you know, the way guys were getting eliminated at Bristol with mechanical stuff. You're like, man, this is not, you know, this is not what I was looking for out of this. Um, so to go to Vegas and finally have what we sort of thought as like the traditional straightforward playoff race, we got to see, uh, you know, the best cars sort of duke it out. We got to see two very aggressive playoff drivers, um, you know, go head to head in the final laps, you know, Ross Chastain trying to, to block and Logano, you know, the master of blocking himself, trying to you know, use all the tricks in, in his book with his fresher tires to overcome that. And I just thought, by the time that got done, I thought, wow, I think everybody just needed this, needed a race like this, where it was just like a just straightforward, nice playoff race. It was exciting. And um, I was very pleased with it. And I, I hope that that can continue this week at Homestead, obviously. Yeah, uh, hope so. And with that, with, with Joey getting the win and locking a spot in the championship four, Jeff, Joey seems like he's quietly had a good year this year. What do you make of uh, of his tile odds here? Do you think uh, he's got a good shot of hoisting that trophy when it's all said and done here in a couple weeks at Phoenix? He certainly does. I mean, it it's – and like you said, it's sort of been quiet in a way – you know, they they didn't really show much speed at the start of the year. And everybody was sort of like, what's wrong with the Fords? I mean, it was like the Chevys were winning, the Toyotas were winning. Ford really wasn't doing much. And especially at the bigger tracks, it was like, yeah, is Ford, what's going on with them? So it was kind of easy to overlook them as a whole. I mean, especially like, you know, before Harvick had won those races, you know, you, you had Chase Briscoe win Phoenix early in the year. But, you know, before Harvick had won those couple races, SHR as a whole really wasn't doing anything. And, and even Briscoe went 21 races where he only had one top 10 in the, in the middle of the year. And then, you know, you're, you're looking at the Penske guys and it was like, well, Blaney, I mean, yeah, he's having a consistent season, but he hasn't won. And then Austin Sindrick won the Daytona 500, but it wasn't like he was really following that up necessarily. And then Logano, you know, it was like you kind of kept waiting for him to show some of his speed but I don't know it just didn't really feel like it was coming so now to see them you know he gets this point and that and you look at his stats and you go wait a minute he's like um he has like the second best average finish in the series 
He's tied for second in wins. He's tied for fifth in top fives and top tens. Um, you know, he's he's led a decent number of laps. So all of a sudden you go, oh, wait, you know, he, he does have a final four-ish resume, but we just hadn't really seen that, I guess, uh, until that point. But now that he's there, you know, he could certainly win it. I mean, he's 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 absolutely going to know what to, you know, this is his fifth time in the championship race. Um, I mean, I could easily see him win. I don't think it would be a surprise at all if he did. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, Jeff. Uh, he's certainly a contender there. And for I know Ross Chastain didn't get, didn't get the win, but it, it's been a minute since he did win this year and, uh, you know, was competing for wins necessarily. I, I thought, Jeff, that even though he didn't, you know, get the checkered flag at the end of the day, I thought that was a big day for Ross Chastain. What say you? Yeah, I, I thought that was huge. And I know that, you know, he was – after the race initially, he was kind of like, man – you know, if I just made one move different, maybe I could have blocked Logano. But I, I asked Logano afterwards, like, you know, with you coming on the fresher tires like that, is there any move Chastain could have made, you know, blocking-wise to keep you behind? And and Logano was like, there, there was no chance. I mean, I had so much more speed with the fresher tires at that point. Um, now, Ross might have – could have done something that we've seen from him in the past where he could have made an overly aggressive move or something and wrecked both them or, you know, tried to make contact or something like that. But, you know, that, that wasn't necessary in that situation. It wasn't going to help him win anyway. So I, I think he did the best he could out of that situation and he's continued to show speed. It seems like the drivers that he had made mad early in the year are not really gunning for him anymore. D Denny Hamlin is still in the playoffs trying to make it. So he can't really afford to mess with, Ross and then the other drivers. I mean, what are they going to do at this point? Like they're going to try to take somebody out of a final four spot. That that wouldn't be from whatever he's done to anybody ruffled feathers. That's not an appropriate reaction. So it feels like he's got a chance to actually just go race it out at this point. And um, I think that's. I mean, for I mean, he has very little you know cup experience in a good car. I mean, he he had cup experience before he got to, to track house and, and even Ganassi, but it was, it was in backmarker type stuff. So this is really, he's still new at this and um, he's going to have a shot. I mean, he's, he could win the championship too. Honestly, let's, let's be, I mean, he's, he's got the speed. He most certainly does. And you, you look at the points and how they've shifted now with two races left in this round. Are you shocked still? I, like I am, I don't know. I can't speak on Tyler's behalf, but the fact that we talked about how, Ford kind of struggled this year. Stuart Haas Racing and Chase Briscoe. I mean, he's put together four straight top 10 finishes now. Sixth in points. Still has a chance where he could go out and point his way into the final four. I'm I'm still shocked, honestly, myself. I'm sure, I am Chase too, yeah. Well, I mean, he was – we probably all had him out in the first round, right? <laughs> um, I mean, like, like I said, those – when you go 21 races with only one top 10 finish – and that extends even into the playoffs. How can you say, how can you look at a guy like that? And especially with not having any, it's not like he had Chase Elliott style playoff points where he had a cushion. You're looking at a team like that and you're going, oh, that's going to be an easy one out. You know, Austin Dillon, yeah, he'll go out early. Briscoe, he'll go out early, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, here they are. Three races to go. They're still in it. And, and the way that he... I mean, gosh, like you look at their Vegas race, he gets lapped in stage one. 
it looks pretty grim. And then, you know, we're all like, ah, see, there you go. He's, he doesn't have it. There's no chance here. By the end of the race, I mean, he doesn't, you know, fluke his way into something, back his way into something. He races up there to fourth. And in fact, he, he was a leader on one of the late restarts. Um, and, you know, he, he said he just, he didn't time it right in the restart zone and he allowed everybody to sort of stay with him. And he was beating himself up for that. But I mean, geez, like he's still in it. He's absolutely still in it. And Homestead's a great track for him. I don't know about Martinsville, but you know, if, yeah, he could, he could have a chance to go out and win Homestead, lock himself in. Now that's a guy there where you still don't think, okay, he's not really a championship caliber, that team, but at the same time, he won Phoenix um, in the spring. And if he can just get there, I'm sure the cars have changed a lot, but you don't, I mean, we could see him win. So, you know, he, he's going to be very dangerous if he can get himself still eligible to Phoenix. And uh, that would be, that would be the all time shock really. If he was able to win the championship uh, in this playoff format, that would be the, the biggest surprise we've ever had. So what would be more of a surprise him going out, making the run he's making win the title or say somebody like Ryan Blaney, who has been ultra consistent all season makes it to the championship four. And we see the first time in this era where a driver wins a championship without winning a race. I, I still think the Briscoe thing would be more surprising just in the fact that like if Blaney won and we were doing this podcast after we would be saying to ourselves, well, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that you know. Oh, he won. He was a, he's a winless champion, and this format was set up to reward wins and playoff points, all stuff. But we could always say, but he was still fast all year, you know. And so I think that that sort of consistent speed and and being you know second in the points for most of the regular season, you know, you'd look at that and say, well, it is kind of weird that he didn't win. Obviously, that is very weird, especially in this format. But this year's so wide open. You could, you could almost sort of justify it or, or twist it in a way to say, okay, I, I could see how that could make sense a little bit, but the Briscoe thing still, it just didn't feel like he had the performance all year. And then it's not even that he's like really gotten hot at this point, but he's doing enough and getting the finishes. Um, you know, Texas, again, he was 20-whatever place and ends up fifth. Vegas, totally out to lunch, ends up fourth. So they're doing what you need to do. It's just, it's still not what we traditionally think of as like a NASCAR championship season. It's oh, especially with a driver. Not the sexy you. way, right? You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't even, if I remember correctly, Jeff, I don't even think he has double digit top tens or if he does, it's maybe 10 or 11 on the entire year. That's not traditional at this time of year. If you're a championship contender. No, no. But you know, the other thing about that is like, I, I was looking at a bunch of these guys stats and, Really, I mean, they're all sort of down compared to even their their normal career totals. Even like Logano, I was looking, and when you look at Logano's stats for the season, you you go, oh, like boy, he's having, you know, like his his average finish. I think for um, Logano is is down compared to some of his other seasons. Or like William Byron, for instance, is he's on pace to have like the worst average finish since like his rookie season. But then you go, oh well. He's fifth in points and, you know, just one spot below the cutoff line with a chance to go to the final four. Yeah, like you said, Chase Briscoe, he has eight top tens this season. Uh, his average finish is 17.4. So that's 
that's not what you think of as a, as a title contender, like you said, but at the same time, it's just been so wide open and there's been so many ups and downs and so much struggle to find consistent, excuse me, consistency for these guys that I think that's, that's the thing. It's, it's really how you compare to the rest of the season rather than a traditional championship outlook. So let's get to the Bubba Wallace situation now. Uh, NASCAR hands him a one race suspension, uh, Jeff, what, what do you think of the decision by NASCAR? Was it the right call? Did it fit the situation? And is it consistent with uh, things like this of the past? Well, that's a couple of different things because I would argue it's not consistent. However, I 100% think it's the right call. I mean, as soon as that happened, as soon as that happened on Sunday, I was like, you have to suspend them for that. I mean, sorry. You, you cannot have drivers at a high-speed track like Las Vegas right rear someone and hook them toward the wall. Kyle Larson's very lucky that Christopher Bell was there to sort of prevent him from going straight into the wall. Christopher Bell is very unlucky that he was there. But um, Larson, that could have been really bad. That could have been seriously bad. And you just cannot you, – you can't let your competitors do that. Um, I understand they've let, you know, they didn't suspend Noah Gregson at Road America, right? You know, he he turned Sage Karam Rex like half the field and they dock him like 30 points and 30 grand or whatever it was. And so you would say, well, how come they didn't spend him there? But I, I think even a road course is different. You know, spinning someone off track or bumping someone off track at a road course, it's not great, but it's it's different. Um, spinning someone at a short track or even spinning someone at an intermediate track, but spinning them with the left rear and spinning them into the grass, you know, where you, that's not great. Again, like William Byron sort of did with Denny Hamlin to bump him into the grass under caution. None, none of that's like great or acceptable, but when you get to a position where you're going 170 miles per hour and you just turn someone into the wall, that's especially with all the safety stuff we've been talking about. I mean, these these even minor hits, knocking guys out. I mean, Bubba Walls' his own teammate, right? Kurt Busch, he, Bubba Walls was standing in the press conference where Kurt Busch is getting emotional over. He's not going to be able to race anymore because of head injuries. And the next day, you know, Bubba goes and does that. And, and Larson's teammate as well, Alex Bowman, is out with concussion stuff. So I just don't – I just think NASCAR had to step in. And if NASCAR if, – if they just do a fine there, what does that really say? Ah, we're going to – Find you a hundred grand. Okay. I mean, you you have to have a situation where the penalty is severe enough that the next time any driver is seeing red and they're like having that flash of anger and they're like, I'm gonna go get this guy, at least make them think in the back of their head, if you do this, you might be sitting out. Not like, ah, I'm gonna do this and ah, if it cost me a hundred grand, I don't care. Whatever. It's worth it because I'm so mad right now, you know? At least make them think. Okay, you're going to get parked. Is it worth it? Um, there's plenty of other ways to retaliate. He could have gotten him back later. Um, he could have gotten him back in another race. He could have fought him after the race on pit road. I think all those things, I mean, any of those would have resulted in not getting suspended. But unfortunately, the, the move he made, I just think NASCAR, they had to do that. And I'm, I'm glad that they, they took a stance like that personally. Well, and for me too, Jeff, I mean, we've talked about for a long time of 
you know, how, how different it is when you're dealing with playoff circumstances, right, and not trying to affect the championship. That five team's still running for an owner's championship. Christopher Bell was a casualty in this, too, as we mentioned, going for a championship here. I mean, to have a negative effect on, on the, the playoff, I mean, that, that's just not fair for those involved here. Yeah, and it was interesting because NASCAR seemed to indicate, Steve O'Donnell went on, on Sirius Radio, and he seemed to indicate that the playoffs element of it was not really a consideration for them, which I was, I was a little bit surprised about. He also said Bubba walking on the track was not part of the penalty. Um, touching the official wasn't part of it. It was purely about that wreck and the safety element of it. That's what they weren't comfortable with. So that was an interesting, interesting call. Absolutely. And, and you look at it, too, with one race. Is that enough? Should it have been for the rest of the season? I mean, I know we're, we're playing with fire here, but should it have been more races? Should NASCAR have sent a bigger message, or do you think one race suffices? I think one race gets a message across because one race, even, even that is pretty rare. I mean, this is the first time they've suspended a driver for doing something on track since 2015 with Matt Kenseth. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it doesn't happen very often. That's, it's been a long time since they took this kind of action. Um, so, you know, a driver never wants to sit out of the car and it's pretty, it's a pretty big deal when you have to go through the suspension process of, you know, the scrutiny from the media, the fans, uh, TV, NASCAR, your sponsors, your team, everybody being unhappy with you for various reasons. Um, the, you know, the other drivers, everybody sort of feel, you know, against you and a driver's worst fear is really getting pulled out of the car. So I think one race is enough of a message and, uh, he'll, he'll get the point across. He's not gonna be happy about it, but he'll understand going forward that, and, and everybody will, which is really, really key for the garage too, because, Every driver is paying attention to that, and if they don't, if they don't suspend him, there, drivers are going to say, "Okay, well, it's a little bit of open season now. I can really go really extreme if I want to, and nothing's nothing terrible is going to happen." So, um, you know, getting pulled out of the car is even for one race. That's that's enough. What I wonder too now that this suspension is going down and and. When Bubba makes his return, and, and you mentioned the sponsors he still has to answer to, his fans, Toyota 2311, and everything like that, what do you think is going to be his reception among uh, fans and then other drivers when he does make that, that return? Do you think uh, he and Kyle Larson, uh, do you think this is going to linger on between those two? Where, where, are these, where does everything go from here? I think with him and Larson, I mean, they've – they're friends enough that they'll they'll probably get over it fairly quickly or you know I, I don't think it'll they'll probably be playing golf together not that long from now I mean I don't think it'll be like a permanent rivalry or something like that but the fans um I mean look you know Bubba unfortunately was was already a target of a lot of fans um you know he has to deal with a ton of hate and racism uh just on a normal day when he does nothing. Now, unfortunately, he's given a ton of fuel to people who are already inclined to hate him. And 
even the people that support him, you can't really defend his actions here, including his own team. I mean, the statement that you look at their statement from 2311 and they're like, we're aligned with NASCAR. What Bubba did was not acceptable. And we've made that known to him and stuff like that. So I think driver introductions at Martinsville, when, when Bubba walks across that stage are going to be some of the loudest boos we've heard in a long time. Um, they're not going to let him forget this anytime soon. I do think it's somewhat fortunate for him that the playoffs are still going on and you know, especially like when he'll come back, it's going to be the semifinal race, people trying to make the final four, then you'll have the championship, then you'll have the off season. So it'll be overall forgotten fairly quickly. Um, you know, this won't have a long, I don't think it'll have a very long news cycle. I wouldn't expect, but the fans are going to, they're going to let it be known that um, they're not, they're not pleased with him for a while. Well, Jeff, we another thing too, we know that on Twitter, right? Fans lit up on both sides, but as well as the promotion side of it too, Las Vegas Motor Speedway tweeting it out, later retracting that. And then the print version that ended up getting sent out. I, I don't know which paper that was, but I know Pete Pistone had put that out. And I mean, where is that balance drawn there too? Because we know stuff like this does sell, but does this, this certainly has to put the sport in a tough spot. Well, I would think that Las Vegas Motor Speedway was the one that you know, they put it on their social. They put the ad in the Las Vegas newspaper. Um, I would guess NASCAR is probably not pleased about that, probably not thrilled. But at the same time, they could say that now. And, of course, we'll see this used as in an advertisement for on Fox before the season next year. Check out this season. It's going to be crazy, and people are going to get mad, and they're going to show this incident. They're going to show them shoving. So, I mean, there's always – I hate that part of it, honestly, like the hypocrisy of penalizing drivers for incident for incidents or whatever, and then using them in commercials or like even the Ryan Newman wreck being used in like promotional stuff. That was so, I thought that was so tasteless. Um, I hate that. You know, there was a while there where um, I know it, it seems mind blowing to think about this now, but there was a, for a long time, like back when I was at NASCAR scene, I want to say, and, and even um, even almost up to my, my USA Today days, I think, which started in 2013, there was sort of like this unwritten rule that NASCAR would never use crash footage in TV commercials. And when they started doing it um, in around the mid-2010s, it was like a very, I mean, it was a big shock at the time. Like, whoa, they're using crash footage now to sell races? Wow, that's big. Because... It was sort of like, hey, this is, these are incidents that are not safe and, and this could have been bad. So they wouldn't, they just wouldn't do that in commercials. It would be about the racing itself, really, like uh, close finishes and drivers making moves. And now you see all the time cars flipping over, drivers running into each other, you know, fighting, all the stuff. That's, that's how they used to sell it. I, I personally don't think like, like the ad that they, that was in the Las Vegas paper. And it was like round two coming next March and stuff like that. I don't, I don't even know what they were trying to do with that. I thought that was really a miss, really a miss. Um, I just don't get that. Like, why, why would, why would you think, oh, you know what? I want to see that again. I want to see that incident. I want to see what's going to happen next. So I'm going to buy my tickets now. What happened on Sunday? I don't want to see that anymore. I don't care what, between what drivers. I don't want to go to a race and see that ever. 
So how could that be a selling point of like, oh yeah, you know, check this out, buy your tickets. Like, no, I, I don't want to. No, please tell them not to do that next time I come, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that was my take on it. That's a good point. Um, we mentioned Bubba Wallace, uh, the 2311 team, uh, you know, along you know, those same lines, shifting gears here. Big announcement the day prior about Kirk Bush uh, stepping aside from full-time racing. Tyler Reddick coming in to that car to be Bubba's teammate next year. Jeff, what was uh, your reaction to uh, that announcement on uh, Saturday? Well, it wasn't a surprise. You know, you, you kind of got the feeling that things weren't going very well for Kurt in, uh, in him trying to come back, you know, and, and uh, get healthy again. Um, it, it's just a shame, honestly. Like, you know, the guy, you know, there was, there was a long time in his, his career where you could say nobody really would have missed him had he, had he left NASCAR, right? I mean, he was, you know, very prickly and petulant and, you know, just so difficult and really not, not well-liked because of his behavior and, and the way he conducted himself. But fortunately for him, his talent allowed him to stay afloat in the sport. And it sort of gave him a chance to stick around long enough to really reshape his image and grow and mature. And by the end, you know, he became a very, very, very well-liked figure in the garage by other drivers, by his team, his sponsors love him. Um, the fans really embraced him. So then you get to this point and you're like, okay, I'm going to run maybe one more year next year. And you're at Pocono and qualifying and crash. And that's it. And it's like, man, that's so unsatisfying because he was building towards sort of like a, you know, he had won a race, at least one race and a bunch of seasons in a row. And really just like, he was still competitive and fast. And, and as Denny Hamlin said the other day, I mean, who knows what he could have done in the playoffs, given how these playoffs were a veteran guy like that, not, you know, who could stay out of trouble and, and had a fast car and could point his way through and navigate his way through. He might have had a shot at, at getting to Phoenix, you know, um, and it it's just a shame. I mean, right, uh, Zach Sterniello from NASCAR.com pointed out that if you watch that video where Kurt crashes at Pocono, right before he crashes, Dale Jr. is saying on the broadcast, you know, and Kurt is as good as he's ever been. You know, he's his talent level is still right there. And just at that moment, his car breaks loose and hits the wall. And that's like the last lap of his full-time career anyway. Now you hope that he's able to come back maybe for a race next year and do it on his own terms, but you also don't want him to risk hurting himself again. And obviously he's not 100% now. Um, and that, that was in July. And here we are in, in October, mid-October. So um, just really unfortunate, really unfortunate. And uh, it just hits home that the next gen car has got to be, got to be fixed. The safety issues have got to be addressed because that car essentially. Um, I know people don't want to necessarily blame it, but it seems like it's ended a future Hall of Famer's career prematurely. So it's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very sad uh, that it worked out that way. Uh, Tyler Reddick uh, going over twenty three eleven a year early. Uh, what do you think about? that move and uh what do you expect out of Tyler Reddick next year uh with that team 
I'm glad he's getting out of RCR because I didn't think they treated him very well. Um, you know, you had the, he announced, I mean, if I gave my boss 18 months notice and was like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, like, I'm going to work as hard as I can over these next 18 months. But, um, you know, when my, when my deal's up, I'm going to be going to do something else. I think my boss would be like, well, that's cool. Like I have plenty of time to plan ahead here. I can really, you know, I know you're going to work hard and, and you give me your word and um, I'll be able to find someone to replace you. And, you know, I'm not getting the rug pulled out from under me kind of thing. And, and you know, I, I would think that would be appreciated. However, when Reddick did it, it was not appreciated and it, it made things awkward for him at RCR. Um, again, I think unfairly, I mean, they put out that statement that says the timing could not have been any worse. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he then pushes Austin Dillon into the playoffs, gives up a uh, sacrifice, a chance to win him for himself at Daytona, which would have been five more bonus points for the playoffs. Um, but he loyally pushed his teammate into the playoffs and, and it still seemed like it was awkward there. Richard Childress was still like, you know, yeah. I'm going to take your team away. I'm going to put you in a third car because now we're going to go at Kyle Busch. And so I think it's great that it worked out this way because, um, first of all, I think when you look at it, the timing actually couldn't have been any better because 2311 needed a replacement for Kurt. And if they weren't, if they hadn't gone out and gotten Reddick um, or, or at least started that talks, they would have had to have one year with sort of a fill-in driver, which I guess would have been John Hunter Nemechek perhaps. But it's better for them to get Reddick now. And then the other thing about the timing and the announcement is had Reddick not told them that he was leaving um, well in advance, RCR wouldn't have gone out and gotten Kyle Busch because they wouldn't have realized that they had a seat. If, if Reddick had waited to the off season to say, oh, by the way, I'm leaving, uh, what would RCR be left with? So it worked out for RCR. It worked out for 2311. I assume there's financial consideration as well. Like 2311 had to, give something up, I would assume, to, to get Redick a year early. So it worked out for everybody. You know, I think it's a great, a great thing. So um, now Redick will really be able to show what he can do. And I think next, you know, next year, had he been in like a third car, like sort of junk startup team that was just existing just to give him a place to run for a year, I don't think that would have been a very successful year for him. So lame duck here. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, I think that's, I think it would have been, uh, I think this is a good move for everybody, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're joined by uh, Jeff Cluck of The Athletic here on Let's Go Racing this week as we're talking about uh, everything going on in the NASCAR world and also on uh, the F1 side, Dominic. Pretty exciting uh, F1 back in Austin again. F1's back in Austin for the Grand Prix this weekend. Oh, that's right, Jeff. You're going this weekend. I am going. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to go. I haven't. Uh, I went to the Miami Grand Prix um, earlier this season in May, and um, I I've only been to the Austin one once in, in 2017. So uh, it's going to be interesting to be back, you know, five years later and see how it's going to be. But as you know, the track is saying they're expecting um, over 400,000 people again for the course of the weekend, um, the three day weekend, and and that's that's pretty big. I mean, you, all of a sudden the questions have been, well, how's the United States going to ha handle two F1 races in a year? And then next year they're going to have three F1 races in a year with them going down the Vegas strip um, next November. And, uh, but the fact that the attendance is, is 
looking like it's going to be so robust uh, for the weekend. Um, seems like it seems like things are going pretty well so far. And, and this is what the championship decided already. I mean, the Max Verstappen's already won the title. Um, and so there's, there's not going to be any, you know, title battle drama or anything like that. I mean, I guess the big question of the weekend is if, if Max Verstappen wins on Sunday, he will tie the formula one single season wins record with 13, um, Michael Schumacher and, and Sebastian Vettel have that record. So that would be big, you know, uh, to do it on, on us soil in front of a big crowd, obviously. But we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how does the U.S. crowd, you know, get into it when it's, you know, it's just going for the race, really. Because, again, like the title for all intents and purposes, I mean, I guess, you know, somebody could get fifth or sixth or second or third could change hands or something. But, you know, the big prize is, is already done. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that will go. So you've covered these races, you've been to NASCAR races, you've been to IndyCar races. I'm curious, personally, how does the energy at an F1 race and an F1 race weekend compare and contrast to, let's say, a NASCAR race weekend? I mean, F1 is crazy energy because you have so many people who, um, I mean, so many non-Americans, really, who might who might live in America, um, but they're coming with their country's flags and they're, you know, kind of have like the soccer crowd type vibe in a way where they're chanting and cheering and uh, very excited, very sort of like nationalistic about their drivers. Right. Um, and then you have the, obviously the American crowd who has been really sucked into F1 thanks to drive to survive. And um, you know, it, for them, you know, the, these, these drivers became, you know, sort of like movie stars, TV stars, um, you know, watching it. Now you get to see them race and, and you see them all over the world going to all these glamorous places. And, you know, oh, they were just in, in Japan and they were in Singapore and, you know, they go to you know, all these just glamorous, amazing places that seem just so far away. And now they're coming to our backyard. It's like, oh, they're in our town. They're on our soil. I was getting a kick out of um, Valtteri Botas. Um, he and, and his partner, uh, they were in um, Kansas City this weekend, going around Kansas City, posting pictures of like them at restaurants and coffee shops. And it's like, wow, they're enjoying Kansas City. They were just in Tokyo. <laughs> you know, it's like, here, Kansas City, check this place out. Isn't this cool, everybody? You know, stuff like that. So I think it's great to see. It's, it's cool to see what the F1 drivers do when they come here. Lewis Hamilton is a part, over, part owner of the Denver Broncos now, and he went to the Monday night football game. Um, last night, uh, or the other night and, um, you know, was, was sitting in the box and watching the game and, and had his Broncos Jersey that he was given and stuff like that. So, you know, stuff like that's neat to just see what they do when they come to America. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how, how it'll go, but the vibe, I mean, is, is just NASCAR. It just, it feels like, you know, these are a lot of NASCAR fans go to several races a year. Um, you know, they, they feel like they know the drivers on a first name basis because they're, they've just watched them for years and years and years. And the F1 guys just seem, it's like people are, you go, go crazy for them when they, you know, even there's people outside the tunnel screaming like a, a movie star or a rock star BTS is, is coming through the tunnel. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so, it's so, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's crazy. The rock star treatment that those guys get compared to, you know, NASCAR, where they just feel like, 
oh, there's Chase Elliott. I love Chase. Uh, go Chase, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the marketing from F1 has just been incredible. And I know that, Jeff, I mean, we, we hear people say, you know, all oh, NASCAR should do this like F1, whatever. I think all sports could learn from what F1's doing to market their stars as all. I mean, baseball can't market their stars right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's something they're doing a great job of with this series and, you know, the U.S. popularity, the way it's taken off, adding multiple races the way they have here. I mean, it, it, I mean, they, they ought to be teaching college courses or something based on the way F1 has uh, really found a way to, to market its stars the way it has and, and, and growing the U.S. At, at the rate it has. I think another key for that, it's a, it's a fantastic point. And as you're saying that, I think it, it makes me think that another key is that the F1 drivers buy into that vision. Yes. Like they have seen, okay, wow, Netflix is really making us grow. Like these crowds are crazy. Or like these fun little skits that, that our teams want us to do or this fun little content. Uh, or these extra media stuff, this helps us grow. Um, and so they buy in and they show their personalities and they are willing to go do maybe sort of goofy stuff at times. I feel like in NASCAR, there's still a lot of pushback from the drivers. You know, they feel like they do too much media when in reality, like the F1 guys, for instance, do way more media. Um, you know, the, the NASCAR drivers, it's sort of like they would rather, I think a lot of times just come and you know, sort of do their job and not have to do any of these obligations and just race and leave where I'm sure the F1 guys would like to do that, but they realize, wow, like all of our success is tied together and all the reason that we are getting so popular around the world everywhere in, in Europe too. I mean, even like the, the Silverstone race, which has been on the F1 calendar since the first year of F1, I think they had like record attendance this year. So even like in England and in France and Italy and stuff, they're, they're getting huge numbers. So the popularity worldwide is, has never been higher. And I think that just spurs those drivers to do more because they see, hey, this is working. So, I mean, sure, we'll keep, we'll keep going with it. This is making us international celebrities. They're some of the most famous athletes in, on the entire planet right now. Yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable. We'll uh, get to our news and notes segment in uh, just one moment before we do today's show is presented by our friends at ticket smarter ticket smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of worldwide technology raceway where david won 2004 fans can also get tickets to any type of event including sports concerts and theater productions ticket smarter is committing to helping those in need by donating one dollar from every transaction to various charity organizations head over to ticketsmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events, that's ticketsmarter.com. Dominic, uh, time for our news and notes. And uh, got a little movement uh, at Spire for next year, right? We sure do. Well, you thought we covered all the headlines. There's still more news going on throughout the week. On Tuesday, October 18th, Spire Motorsports announced they're in a Cup Series lineup for 2023. Corey LaJoy will be returning to Spire Motorsports where Ty Dillon will also be joining the ranks as a full-time driver at the organization. He'll be piloting the number 77 car next year, led by Kevin Bellacourt atop the pit box. Ty Dillon ran at Petty GMS Racing this season full-time, his first full-time venture in the Cup Series since 2020. And Corey LaJoy returns for his third season. So we saw that 77 car run a few drivers this year, sponsorship from Landon Castle, Josh Balicki, 
Mike Rockenfeller at the road courses and Justin Elgeyer ran one race as well. But we're going to see stability in those two cars moving forward come next season. Jeff, uh, between that Spire car going with a full-time driver, we see also uh, over at Colleg, the 16 car is going to have full-time driver and AJ here. It looks like there's less and less of these part-time seats of the charter teams now. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. You're, you're right. I mean, you know, you'd seen those cars be sort of like a a revolving door or a, or a chance for different drivers to get in and run some one-off races and things like that. And um, yeah, it's sort of like where are they gonna where are you gonna see those opportunities as often now um, to to get guys some more experience or maybe to get some guys just in you know occasional races. You know, not counting like the Project Ninety One stuff, which is built for that kind of thing in a way, but um, I, I think it's good to have that consistency, to be honest. Like, I, I think it's good for the fans to say, to look at a car, to know who's in it every week, to build up, you know, whether it's the rivalries or the storylines or, um, I mean, you know, I think Corey LaJoy has been such a great example of this where, you know, everybody's sort of invested in his stacking pennies you know, mindset and story and everybody's sort of following it. Like, okay, they know he's an underdog. They know he doesn't have the resources. They know like it's a long shot for him to win. But then when he runs well, it's sort of like, wow, that's really cool. Um, and I think that's just another storyline for fans to, to sink their teeth into every week. Going back to F1 for a second, that's what, that's what one of the things they do so well, because F1, I mean, you really, I'm like, we were just talking about Max Verstappen wins, 13 races or whatever he's going to end up with 14 by the end of the year, 15, who knows? And uh, he's running with the title and you can say, well, this is boring. Why would anybody watch? But then when like a Williams car even finishes 10th and they're jumping up and down and celebrating and hugging each other. Wow. Amazing. Like we got points today, you know, awesome job. I can't believe this kind of thing. You're sort of invested in that story because you know, they're struggling team. So um, I know NASCAR would rather have all the parity all the way across the board and have like 36 drivers that can win. But I think you need to have sort of that underdog mentality at times. And, um, you know, some of these newer cars, I mean, Almondinger, he'll, he won't be an underdog because he can win at a road course. So he might go make the playoffs. But, you know, when you talk about like a Rick Ware racing and, you know, like their number 15 car and stuff like that, it's like, Sometimes when the 15 car spins, I'm like, who's in this? Who's in this car? I, I'm not sure. You know, um, it would be nice to just know, okay, well, that's got, that's that guy. That's that guy. That's that guy. Or if, if you've seen them clash, you say, oh, that, those cars are getting together again. Um, I just think that helps all the narrative that goes on in, in NASCAR. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, Dominic, uh, tell us about uh, this weekend uh, here at Homestead. Uh, this race uh, was the longest time, the championship race. We've seen some great moments over the years here. We sure have. This will be the 24th installment of the NASCAR Cup Series at Homestead Miami Speedway. From 2002 to 2019, the track hosted the NASCAR finale before it got moved to Phoenix Raceway, where it's been the host of the championship the last few years. But, Jeff, Tyler, I feel like this time around, having Homestead in the playoffs, having the weight, that I mean, it had so much weight as the championship race for 17 years, but to actually see it back in the playoff playoffs as compared to maybe a regular season race in March or April, I feel like 
that nostalgia is back, at least from my perspective. It's cool to see Homestead back this late in the schedule, and it's only race day. Dude, I this was actually the hardest choice easily uh, of the season for me because um, Jordan Jordan Bianchi, my coworker, and I were going back and forth. Who's going to go to Homestead? Who's going to go to Coda for the F1 race? And we were both like, man, I could make a case for either one because like you, I mean, I have such a soft spot in my heart for Homestead. Like, and I have not been there since the last championship race there. I didn't go, I mean, after, you know, in the pandemic, I didn't go last year. Um, and I would love to just roll through that tunnel again and feel all the vibes of all the championship races I went to there. I mean, I guess from, you know, 2007 to what was it? Last one, 2019, 19. I went to every, all the championship races there. And, you know, saw some unbelievable, some of the greatest race I've ever seen that Tony Stewart, Carl Edwards one was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, 2016 with the Logano Edwards crash and then Jimmy ends up winning it, um, you know, stuff like that. She's like, wow, I, I would just love to walk around the area again, you know, walk around the garage and, and just feel that because I think Homestead is such an important track. And I, I think the championship race should go back there um, at some point. Phoenix has been great, but it's been fine. I mean, it's, it's a good host. It's a great host. But the racing, I think, at Homestead was really special. So I'm, I'm glad that Homestead has a high-profile spot again. I was worried when they had just thrown it into March and just been like, uh, good luck, and nobody came. And it was like, you know, the development of is creeping down at that track. All the houses are getting closer and closer and closer, and the land is getting more and more valuable to when they built that place. It was just out in the middle of nowhere, sort of. And I'm sure it's – I'm sure they've looked at being like, ah, should we just sell this place? Why do we need this track, you know? But uh, I hope they don't. I hope they keep investing in it. I hope the crowds keep going um, because I think it's it's a very important track for NASCAR, and it's the best mile-and-a-half track on the schedule. Making the case for a finale return someday, maybe. I'm all about it. I mean, if I, I know they probably want to do the, the Fontana track next when they turn it into a short track. That's probably where they'll put the finale, probably. Because, you know, they, they want to put the finale where they're investing a lot of money. Right. Know? So, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in the homestead camp personally. <laughs> Tyler, you've been there. What'd you think of the place? The last homestead race that we went, it was the last championship race in 19. Oh, I love that place. Uh, homestead is awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I'll say this as, and, and Jeff, you, you were probably there as somebody that went to the last two before this year, Kansas races that for whatever reason were in late October that made no sense, too cold. I'm just glad that we got tracks like Miami at this point in the playoff. Like that's where people want to go. We don't need to be going to Kansas at this point in the year. Um, I'm sure the weather's probably going to be good barring any rain or something, you know, like let's do the homesteads and the Phoenixes of the world at the end of the season. We're, we don't need to go to Kansas right now, you know, any northern. and Vegas too, moving Vegas from, um, you know, that was, I think it was in the first round of the playoffs uh, for a bit there. And it was super, super, super hot. At Vegas, you know, it was like unbelievably. degrees in that 2018 race, Jeff. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Nobody wanted to sit outside in that. So then to move that to mid-October like it was this year, that was a great move too because it was, it was still, actually it was still warm, but um, 
much more tolerable, obviously. So yeah, get, get those warm weather tracks. We, nobody wants to go sit in 40 degree, you know, wind chill or something like that. And just, you know, I know that can be football weather, but NASCAR fans travel and they like destinations too, you know? So give them a destination when it starts to get cold, give them somewhere to go. That's, that's nice. What do you like this weekend, Jeff? It's tough. It's tough because we're so used to like Larson, Reddick, um, people that run the wall at Homestead. Um, but I think now everybody's going to run the wall. Like when those guys started doing it, especially like Larson and showing the way, it was like, wow, Larson's running the wall. Everybody else is not. Now everybody's going to be up on the wall probably. So that's going to make make it hard to pass. And it's also going to make it tough to differentiate yourself. It's going to be more of a track position race. So I'm not really sure, but I, I was thinking it was going to be somewhat of a Toyota race last weekend. Um, at Vegas, obviously, it didn't quite turn out that way. But um, I think I might pick Denny Hamlin. I just think they had some speed. They showed, especially the first day of the test when they unloaded, um, they were pretty fast. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I think I'll go Denny Hamlin. How about you, Dominic? Man, Denny Hamlin's not a bad pick. Another driver that could punch that ticket to Phoenix as a championship title contender. But I guess to be different, I'm going to go Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson gets it done at Homestead. He's won in the Xfinity Series there before, I believe, in 2015. He'll get his first Cup Series Homestead win. Tyler, who's it going to be? He ran good last week, and I like his driving style for this type of track. I'm going to go Ross Chastain this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not the typical Ryan Blaney pick there, Tyler. No, no. Blaney's let me down too too much. I I was going to pick (laughs) him every week until he won, but I think I've given up that, that ship at this point. Um, I'll go with uh, Ross Chastain to win this week. And of uh, course, if David was here, he'd pick Kevin Hart to win. Yeah, or, well, he picked uh, Hamlin last week too, so you you got that covered on that end. So, <laughs> with that, uh, our final segment coming up in just one moment. Let's go racing with David Stars, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year, and David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets over 120, 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Kevin World Truck Race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. Uh, Jeff, uh, we get several questions like this uh, in some way, shape, or form. So I want to kind of just lump it all together from – the Let's Go Racing audience, we'll put it that way. Uh, tell us about how JeffGluck.com came about, what it was like covering the the sport independently between USA Today and, and the athletic there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a very interesting time in my life, for sure. Very scary, but very just exciting also. Um, so I was at USA Today, and... I enjoyed working there, um, but we got a new sports editor, and um, he wasn't he wasn't too into NASCAR at all. Didn't really know much about the sport or grasp it. I don't really think he cared about NASCAR. So I had gone to him and said, um, my wife she was trying to become a, a child life specialist at a children's hospital, which is someone who kind of goes around to the rooms and provides support for the families. Um, you know, talks to kids about what the procedures might be like, or just tries to provide comfort in a way, whether it's to the siblings or the parents or the patients. 
um, to make them a little bit more comfortable or less scared of what's going on. And um, so she was needing to do her internship for that and, and move away from Charlotte where we were living. And uh, then she was going to try to find a job somewhere. So I told USA Today, hey, I'm, I'm just going to relocate and I'll just fly to the races from, um, you know, wherever we end up. And uh, I didn't even think, I like, I legitimately didn't think that would be a problem because they had many other writers who, you know, like the NFL writers, for instance, right? They would live in any city and then they would fly to the NFL games, the biggest game of the week. And, but the sports editor said, no, you know, you, you, you're not allowed to move. I'm, I'm sorry. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why? He's like, we, we need you to be in Charlotte. And I'm like, but I, it's not like I'm going to the race shops in Charlotte. I mean, we do right. 90% of our work at the tracks. I mean, yes, every once in a while, there might be some, you know, the Kyle Bush press conference or something. It's a big press conference. Um, but we don't go to, I mean, we, we get all our interviews at the track. We do all everything at the track. So, but he said, uh, no, sorry. So I was like, okay, well, hmm. <laughs> uh, this is putting me in a tough spot here. I'm not going to tell my wife. Um, yeah, you know, your dreams of helping children at the hospital. Yeah, no, we, you can't do that. We're going to have to stay in Charlotte, you know? Um, so I quit uh, uh, after thinking about it for a couple of weeks. And I was like, well, what am I going to do here? Um, so I, I decided to start, you know, a crowdfunded site and I was pretty resigned to like, okay, you know, this may not work. This is a really good chance. This may not work. This may be the end of my road in NASCAR. Um, I may be working at Starbucks, driving Uber or delivering Amazon. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll just see here, but I didn't have anything. Fortunately, it, it worked out. I got a lot of support. Um, from readers who didn't want me to go away, I guess, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, I was pretty happy doing that for, um, two and a half years. And then the athletic came calling <clears throat> and it was like, I don't know. I was pretty torn because I really liked that relationship that I had with my supporters and the readers and the listeners. Like it, it felt so intimate. Like I had this great Facebook group, which I, it still exists. Um, I had all these, you know, basically like video chats with people and texting with people. And, and it just felt like, you know, I was working for them and it was just such a nice direct relationship. Um, but I was also wanting to have kids and a real job like that has health benefits and not to be boring, but that's pretty much, I mean, Health insurance is very expensive and means a lot. So um, I was like, well, it would be nice to have job security and be able to have start a family. And now we have two kids. So, I mean, it, that we couldn't have done that really without having that. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's where I am. And, and uh, the athletics been great. It's been fun to be part of like a growing, a growing brand and a growing company and, they're doing, they're making a lot of gains in the sports world and stuff. So, um, it's been, it's been enjoyable, you know? Um, but it, it was fun at, in the jeffgluck.com days, just because it was so, it was just so unique and different than what I've ever, what I've ever done. Do you ever see yourself wanting to do that again down the road, maybe twilight of your career or at another point, is that something you could see yourself doing again? You know, I've thought about whether it, it would even work again, because, at the time I did it, like 
there wasn't really, you know, like now everybody has like a sub stack or like everybody's asking you to be like a super follower on Twitter or, um, you know, give me five bucks a month for this or five bucks a month for this. Chatting on YouTube. Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. So, you know, I think the timing that I did it, it just happened to be where not a lot of people were doing that. Not everybody wasn't paying, you know, for their streaming services and for subscriptions all over the place. I think it might be a tougher road if I tried to do it again. Um, and then the other thing I think about too, like I had left to, to go to the athletic in um, the middle of 2019. Let's say I had still been doing the jeffbuck.com thing during the pandemic, you know, where the economy got really bad and things were, people were struggling. I think it would have been tough to stay afloat at that point. Like that, that might've been the end of what I was doing then because people might've said, Hey, I liked your site, but I can't give you five or 10 bucks a month right now when everybody's losing their jobs or, you know, my restaurant just closed and, um, you know, people are getting laid off or, or, you know, travel shut down. Sorry, Jeff, you know, so I, I don't know if I would have made it through that. So it kind of makes me nervous that if I was ever to do something like that again, um, I don't know if it would work. I really don't. So that might've been just a moment in time sort of that just, I happen to get incredibly lucky. Absolutely. But still a cool venture nonetheless. You don't see a, a lot of people taking on that entrepreneurial ship and those entrepreneurial skills. I mean, what do you think was the big, biggest lesson you learned in that entire thing? Um, you know, it's really easy to overextend yourself. Um, and I felt guilty, actually, almost like every day. Um, I felt like I was never doing enough for the people that were funding me. I, you know, whether it was, gosh, I, I didn't go in the Facebook group today and say hi, or like check in with people, or um, this person had, you know, messaged me last week wanting a, a sticker and, oh my gosh, I haven't sent out that sticker yet, you know, or, oh, I, I, I promised, you know, this person had asked if I would, um, you know, cause, cause I would, you know, do these things where like, oh, I, you know, I'd have phone calls with people if they wanted to or whatever. And, you know, I, I just would, there was so many people to try to please. And, and, you know, I think most of the people probably were just like, yeah, we don't care. We're just trying to support you. But then there was other people who were like, Hey, we wanted, I expected more out of you, or I expected more interaction from you directly. And I'm disappointed that I'm not getting that. And, you know, I had like something like 2000, different people paying, you know, variety. And you just felt like, am I, am I letting these people down? Am I, you know, just like there was always something to be doing, um, you know, trying to keep the website from crashing, trying to keep the podcast going, um, trying to, you know, just get your content out in every way and, and answer people's questions. And it was just a lot because really it was, it was endless. Um, and so you'd wake up every day just feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I need to start going right away. And then you'd feel like ever, at the end of every day, I didn't get enough done. I let these people down. And that, that really, that was hard for me. Um, just sort of that constant feeling. You know, it's, it's almost easier sometimes when you have a boss and your boss is like, yep, yeah, we're good. All right, talk to you tomorrow. You're like, okay, right. you know, I did my job for the day. <laughs> well, well and, and, and Jeff, you've always, I've always admired from afar. I know this first time we've, we've gotten to talk face-to-face, -face, but seeing uh, 
just your interaction, whether it was those days with the JeffGluck.com thing or the tweet-ups that, that you and, and Bob Pockers do and everything every week and the people that show up for that. Tell me about, about that. How did that all come about of doing these tweet-ups every week? Yeah, I, I, it's, you know, I got on Twitter in um, 2009 and, you know, it was, uh, it, I, I probably had maybe 2000 Twitter followers at the time. And I'd gotten to a point where people would start to tweet me and be like, Hey, like, are you going to be around the track list this week? Like, let's meet up. I'd love to say hi to you. So I sort of found myself, you know, being like, okay, well, um, all right. Why don't you meet me after practice over here? You know, or like, I'll meet you uh, uh, at two o'clock over here, like different people. And I would try to go say hi to them or, or whatever. Um, and it, it got to a point where it was like, I, I, I was, it was kind of taken away from the job a little bit because I had work to do. And I was sort of running all around trying to meet with people who I wanted to meet because I knew them from Twitter. But um, I just said, maybe we could just all meet in one place, you know, if I just give a time. So that's kind of how it started. And uh, Atlanta Labor Day weekend 20, 2009 was the first one and um, three people showed up. And then um, the next one uh, was Richmond the next week and uh, two dudes showed up and we met under the grandstands and it was sort of like a blind date. Like, <laughs> like are, you, uh, are you here for, oh yeah, yeah, that's me. Oh, hey, yeah, you know. Um, so, but they just kept growing, I mean, uh, I just kept doing them every week and they kept growing, growing, growing. And Bob joined in and we started getting drivers and, um, just started, it just started ballooning. And, um, now it's just, it's really my favorite thing, you know, easily every week just to, because you end up seeing people's names on Twitter, especially the people that are like positive or say, Hey, I love the podcast this week, or I loved your article. This was great. Or I like seeing the pictures of your daughters. Um, and you start to, even though, you know, you might have a lot of followers, you start to see the same people's names, you know, because I read all, all my replies. And so when somebody comes up to me at tweet up, they're like, hey, um, I know we've never met, but my Twitter name is whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's you? Like, whoa, like, I feel like we're friends. Like, I know you. Um, so it's really exciting. I mean, it feels like you're, you're having like a reunion with friends like every week to me and, and you get to really hear what's on their mind. Like, well, Hey, what do you guys think of this rules change? Or like, what do you think of the playoffs so far? What, what do you think of this driver doing this or saying this? What do you guys think of the safety stuff? Do you care? What do you think of the schedule? You know? And so that really helps me stay connected and grounded. I feel like instead of living in some sort of bubble where I just have my opinion and I'm just spouting my opinions out, you know? I'm hearing from them directly. Like, you know, sometimes I might think something they're like, yeah, I don't really care about that. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're cool with that, you know? Um, or sometimes they're upset about something that I'm not upset about for NASCAR. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I need to pay more attention to this because that's a hot topic. So um, I think it's really important to just make sure you're interacting with your audience as much as you can, because that's who you make your content for, right? Absolutely. All right. Connected with your audience, uh, so key, so vital, and uh, it's awesome to see what uh, what you're doing on that front, Jeff. A uh, couple more things here, and then we we have a, a very uh, special treat to end today's show. Uh, got a, a question uh, coming in. Uh, this one's for for uh, Jeff here. 
from uh, our buddy John Heverlin, you may know. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Just remind him that... Uh, is this a Jets question? I know he's going to ask me about the Jets, isn't he? <laughs> Just remind him the New York Jets are four and one since he called them losers in his Kansas column last month. It's so true. And I, you know, here's the thing. I'm wrong a lot. So this is really not surprising that I'm, I'm wrong about this as well. I was trying to think of like uh, the perennial losers. And I was like, you know what? The Jets suck. I'll just say the Jets. <laughs> Jets fans love punishment. They Now look, my team, the Broncos, I mean, gosh, can it get worse than that? I mean, they're they're like pathetic. All so, that money they paid Russell Wilson. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so I really have no I, no right to call anybody. I should just use the Broncos fans for being gluttons for punishment. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is you're this you're talking to somebody here who in my preseason preview and our picks of like the superlatives of what was going to happen this year for biggest disappointment. I predicted track house racing would be the biggest disappointment of 2022. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, about anything. Okay. So it doesn't surprise me that I was wrong about the Jets, the Jets or reverse jinx them or whatever you want to call it. But well, I think if track house goes on to not win the championship, it'll certainly be a disappointment. So in that regard, you might be right. <laughs> it's funny. Every time they've done something good, like, um, cause Justin Marks has been on me from the, the day that article came out. And uh, he he even uh, talked about it at the start of the playoffs at their company meeting as bulletin board material. At, like, told read it to the entire company, my prediction. Um, and so every time something has happened, you know, whether it's Ross winning a race, Suarez winning a race, Ross advancing the next round, I just text Justin, uh, biggest disappointment of the year, you know, and uh, just – Falling on my ongoing gag, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, another one here. Uh, Jason wants to know uh, the man that's not here with us this week. That uh, that's busy, uh, Mr. David Starr. Uh, question from J Jason: Do you have any David Starr interactions, funny stories, or cool interviews over the years? No, I mean, I, I've hardly no. I, I I saw him in Las Vegas, and I was like, um, "Hey, I'm going to be on your podcast." Uh, but and then he's yeah. like, I'm not showing up. Then <laughs> <laughs> that must be the reason. That must be the reason. Uh, but no, no, I, I don't, I haven't really interacted with him too much over the years. I should have, but um, no, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I wish I had some great, memorable, funny thing that I did or stupid comment that I made or something, but or time he okay, got so mad at me or something. But that's really, that's really most of the driver stories is the time X driver got mad at me and uh. <laughs> You know, that's that's how they go. Yeah. Those are always fun, Tyler. Pissing off Jimmy Johnson in Atlanta a few years back has to be towards the top of the list for better or worse. So, yeah, I know Jimmy Johnson. You pissed him off or I did? No, no, I pissed him off. I pissed him off so bad. Oh. Real quick story. We were in the media center, and my, my buddy Matt Corson and I were covering the race weekend together, and we're looking at some stories. And I'm looking. Well, he, well he's looking. He's like, Dom, look. If Johnson doesn't finish top 10 today, this will be the longest top 10 list streak of his career, like ever in the cup series. I'm like, what, really? So like, I start looking at the numbers and sure enough, if he doesn't finish top 10, it's like eight or nine straight races without a top 10 at that time, a record for him. I mean, that's, that's the longest streak at that time. So I tell Matt, yeah, so he's writing up the story. You need to interview Johnson about it. And he's like, nah, man, he's I don't, I don't, I don't want to ask him about it. Can you do that for me? I said, sure. I'll go ask Johnson. So 
Sure. Johnson finished 29th or 30th or whatever, two or three laps down. Kevin Harvick won the race. And at that time, they would pull the top five to one side of pit road, and then everybody else would scram sixth place on. So, like, the ranges started falling. Harvick wins this race early 2018. And I'm on pit road. I'm looking for the 48 car. And I see Johnson, and I flag him down. I ask him, hey, can I can I walk and talk with you? And and he's like, sure. And his PR lady like, like, no, don't. And, like, all these fireworks start going off. And I tell her, I say, well, he said I could. And she's like, all right, whatever. So we climb over the pit wall. And I asked Jimmy, I said, so whatever amount of races it was. I said, since your last top 10 finish, and that's the longest of your career, what, what needs to be done to turn it around or something to that effect? And he turns and he looks at me and he says, I don't know. You tell me. We'll figure it out. And he gets on his golf cart and leaves. And I thought that was the end of it. Well, I'm on the airplane leaving Atlanta to go back to New Mexico the next day. And his PR girl found me on Twitter, reached out, and like, asked me what the whole thing was about. So we went back and forth. And we cleared the air the next week in Las Vegas. But I guess Johnson did not like my question. It stayed with him. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, that sounds like a fair question to me, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I guess he was probably just not in the mood for it. But I don't yeah. think you did anything wrong there personally. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was a, that was a, you know, that interaction was, was interesting. And then a few weeks later, he picked up his first top 10 of the year at Auto Club. And I was there covering that. I was like, I want to go talk to Johnson about his first top 10 of the year. And he saw me come and he kind of did like that little hero pose, like, yeah, come interview me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Uh, what, what comes to mind of some of the interactions you've had, some of those uh, exchanges with drivers over the years? Oh, man. <laughs> There's probably too many to count. Uh, unfortunately, I've been at it a long time, and you just, uh, I don't know. It, it's just tough to avoid. You know, we're not PR people, so we're inevitably going to write or say things or ask questions that people don't like or don't agree with. And, you know, it would be nice if everybody would just, in a perfect world, you know, they'd see what you'd write, like, like Dom saying, Oh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of top tens. And Jimmy would say, well, that's, that's fair. I mean, we don't, we're not performing right now and it's unfortunate and that's a fair question, but a lot of people, you know, especially the heat of the moment, they're like, they're so frustrated and, um, you know, they just can't, <laughs> can't get past it. So, uh, I've been yelled at, cursed at, uh, gotten the silent treatment for a while <laughs> there's been uh plenty of plenty of not so great moments but um those are sort of the battle the battle wounds uh that you that you go through i guess tyler you have to have some stories too man yeah i mean I, i've had some interviews you know because i'm i've never been i've only done a little bit of print you know so for me it's mostly been live on air stuff over the years uh in radio and uh when i did you know radio and and uh you know with different athletes or analysts and some back and forths you know it's always intriguing i i think actually one in particular uh was on my 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 other podcast i do the jones report uh with uh with the cope twins i think they hung up on me at one point uh, huh. It was after the uh, Kevin Harvick situation, just asking some fair questions, you know, whatever. So that's uh, that's up. in the way back wow. machine. That was a while. That was a long time ago. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th th that's where I come from. Dominic, uh, before we go, 
we have a very special treat on hand here. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you've heard, but this weekend, our buddy here, Dominic, is uh, is getting married. And uh, Dominic, you have a, uh, a special guest here with us uh, before we we send you off uh, to get hits, right? Hey, absolutely. My fiance Felice is here on the show with us. Tyler said an ass, I should say, if Felice could come on the show and I said, yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. So, so she's here, Tyler. Let's uh, see. Are you there, Felice? Did, did, did she fall asleep on the Zoom call? Uh-oh. I'm oh, here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Hi, Felice. Felice. Hi. Go ahead and turn your camera on here. There we hey. go. Hey, Felice, there she uh, is. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey. Thank you. Are you guys excited, nervous? How are you feeling? I'm excited. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, super excited. Definitely. It's like, it, it just doesn't feel real, man. Like the, the time has just clicked off all the, the marriage preparation, everything we've needed to get done. It Like on my end, I can't speak for Felice, but it really hasn't been that stressful. And it's just more like, wow, it's already <laughs> here. You know, I think, I think it's great because, um, I mean, your wedding is sort of like the one time uh, where like all your friends and family, like they're there to like celebrate you. You know, it's like you go to people's birthday parties and stuff. Sometimes you go to, you know, I mean, even like funerals, people, but people go there, but the person's not even around it, Like your wedding is like this unique time in your life where people like come together and they're, it's all about you. And they're just so happy for you and your relationship. And uh, it's great. It's amazing. So that's cool. All right. Uh, Filets get, we'll, we'll be nice to Dominic. I know that we, we do. Uh, he turns into a punching bag for us sometimes on this show. Hey, y'all can roast me. That's fine. That's on the roast that Dominic got to go. But, okay. So, so tell us, I'll, I'll do this about your future husband here. Tell us, uh, the best thing about him and then embarrass him a little bit too. Oh, no. <laughs> um, best thing about him, everything. <laughs> oh, how about wow. that? <laughs> Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> um, embarrassing. I don't know. I don't know. It's something embarrassing. Hmm. Has there been a time where you've been like, oh, my God, you just did not just say that? Or why am I around you right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, there was that one time you couldn't open the soda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were in the car, and I don't even remember where it was from. It was like a foreign soda, and I, I could not for the life of me figure it out. I think she even recorded. There's some sort of video somewhere, like there struggling for then, three minutes trying to open it, and, and you got it, no problem. No, and then <laughs> you spilled it all over yourself. Yeah, and I did get a little bit oh. over myself, too, yes. You left that detail out, Dominic. Uh, Dominic, tell us about uh, Feliz here. We'll, we'll, you, you can leave out the embarrassing part. We'll be nice to Feliz. Or, or, okay, yeah. all right. Well, as we like to say, Right, Jeff and Tyler are covering news. Sometimes we just really kick ass at our coverage, right? I, I, I think I certainly outkicked my coverage with Felice. She's somebody who completes me and is truly my better half and certainly can't wait to be married and start our life together. It's going to be awesome, and we're just getting started. Aww. That's awesome. I'm so That's happy wonderful. for you guys. Jeff, uh, out of all of us here, you, you mentioned you're the married one with the, with the kids at home and everything. Uh any advice for uh, for Dominic here? What's uh, for what he's ahead? What's what, what? How his life's about to change here? 
Uh, just never go to bed angry at each other. Try to, if you get in a fight or you'd have a disagreement, even if you're both pissed, try not to try not to go to bed mad. It's just better to talk it out and just get on back on the same page and don't let, don't let stuff fester or linger. Um, because then it comes out in other ways, you know, then somebody, somebody's mad about the laundry or something like that. And, but they're not really mad about the laundry. They're just mad about what happened yesterday. And, you know, it's just better to, yeah, that's, that's what I'd say. Don't go to bed angry. I like it. I like it. And, and Jeff, we talked in Texas a few weeks back about like, Hey man, as your son gets here, any questions you have, dude, I, I hope, you know, you opened a can of worms. I'm totally going to be hitting you up for some advice here and there when, when stuff does come up, man, because yeah, I appreciate you. Please do. No, I, um, Parenting is the biggest adventure there is. So, uh, yeah, no, please hit me up anytime. I'll I'll talk about parenting all day. Jeff, uh, I mean, since you mentioned uh, you know your your wife and your kids and everything, take take a moment to uh, just just tell this brag on brag on the family here a bit. Uh, how how cool is it being a a husband and a, and, a, and a father at home? Whew, ah, uh, man. Well. It's getting it's getting a little bit better, uh, you know. When you have two young kids, every day is is pretty much um, it's like honestly about like sheer survival. Um, I mean, it, it's like I think we are my my oldest just turned four, and then we have a year and a half year old, and um, you know, for the first for the first year of like having two of them at the same time, and both having so many needs and all that stuff. I mean, it, it just felt like, honestly, we're just like drowning, like all the time. Now we're to the point where we're, we're like, we're treading water. So we're not drowning, uh, but we're not exactly like swimming or we're on the ship with smooth sailing yet at all. Um, but it's better than drowning. Right. So um, <laughs> it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, shout out to all the parents out there. Um, it's, <laughs> It's, uh, you go from, um, Hey, uh, like you want to go this, you want to go somewhere. You want to watch this show on TV. You wanted to go do this. And all of a sudden kids come along and like, everything's about them. It's just like, you are trying to keep another human alive and it's tough. It's tough. But everybody says, you know, it does get easier. Uh, you know, when you don't have to change diapers, when you don't have to spoon feed them when you don't have to dress them when you you know once they get to like a normal age uh you know when they're like eight nine ten it's a lot easier of course but then they're not cute anymore so then you missed it when they were babies apparently but uh i get i think uh ever all these pa parents always tell me oh just soak it up now you know cherish the days now while they're so young you, it's going to go by so fast you're going to miss it and i'm just kind of like Dude, I'm like, I just want to sleep. Like, I can barely survive right now. So, um, you know, I get what they're saying. And I see old pictures and I'm like, oh, I miss those times a little bit. But I think you only remember the good parts and not the part where you were going to the grocery store and your kid had a massive poopy blowout and it's all over the seat and you're in the grocery store parking lot trying to clean it and it's everywhere and they're screaming and crying. You're like, ah, you know. Um, but hey, parenting. So yay. <laughs> all right, Felice, we got all that to look forward to. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Sorry, I just scared you. <laughs> oh 
Guys, uh, a lot of fun. Great show today. Uh, David will be back with us uh, next week. Jeff, uh, awesome, man. Loved having you here. Where can people find you and follow you and uh, see all the uh, great work you're doing, man? Um, yeah, I'm Jeff underscore Gluck on Twitter and Instagram. I think I'm Jeff underscore Gluck on, Gluck on TikTok too. Um, but I might just be Jeff Gluck on there. Either way, um, not very many people have this name, so I was able to scoop those up. And uh, you can also find me at theathletic.com slash motorsports. Jeff Gluck AF. That's right. That's right. I was that for I, a while. I did like that Twitter headline there for a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was fun. Different. <laughs> That's when you were going bots, right? You, you know, uh, that was also a different time on social media in general. I don't think Twitter was as bad as it was now. Twitter was uh, a lot more fun uh, even a few years ago, but. Uh, find uh, Jeff there and uh, he'll be uh, out at Austin this weekend at a CODA, Circuit of the Americas, uh, or as David likes to say, Circus of the Americas uh, this weekend. Dominic, uh, we're going to be in the same place this weekend. I, I, I'm, I'm going to this uh, this wedding. Uh, you're, you're dragging me out to uh, Santa Fe this weekend here. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to have you. We get to see you here in a, in a couple of days, and we'll celebrate this weekend. And, yeah, Felice, we get to have Tyler along for the ride. Yay. <laughs> have you been to Santa Fe? I love Santa Fe. Uh, I have not been since I was like in junior high. I've been to uh, New Mexico, uh, you know, within the last couple of years, but been a minute since I've been out to Santa Fe. So, Oh, what a great town. Yeah. Of course, I love Albuquerque as well, but, you know, Santa Fe is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, happy for these two and. And uh should be a fun weekend as well. So That's great. Send me some pictures, everybody. We sure will, man. Yeah. You'll be there in spirit. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, uh, we got to go. We'll put the checkered flag out on uh, this episode of Let's Go Racing. As always, you can subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. If you're watching on that YouTube, hit the like button if you would as well. Show us some love, support. All the likes certainly help. We'll take every single one we can get. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Star Podcast, Facebook at Star Podcast as well. And you can email us, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. For Dominic Amagon, uh, for Jeff Block, our entire crew, Tom Jones, thanks so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.